Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and I'm joined this week by Hawaiian Airlines CEO Peter Ingram to discuss the carrier's recovery, including a hint at what Hawaiian plans to do with those new 787s that will start arriving soon. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Peter Ingram, CEO of Hawaiian Airlines. Peter, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to join you, Ned. Excellent. How, how are things in Hawaii? Hopefully, it's the, the paradise that most of us here on, on the U.S. mainland think it is. Well, as, as we're talking today, it's actually raining outside, which is unusual, but we, we need it. So it's uh, better for it to be raining on a, on a Tuesday than on the weekend, from my perspective. Oh, for sure. Like the like the old Camelot song, let it rain at night and stuff. <laughs> when people don't need to be outside or traveling, at least. Exactly. So, Peter, you know, Hawaiian is is a unique airline. You're a destination airline and, you know, you've done the airline has done quite well over the past decade leading up to the pandemic, uh, growing and, and really evolving into an international carrier. You know, let's let's start out with where is a Hawaiian's recovery at this point? How would you describe it? Well, I feel like we're making progress, and I feel like we're we're not where we want to be yet. But uh, we we have seen um, steady recovery throughout 2021 and and the early part of 2022. Uh, as you know, we operate in um, three main geographies. You, you know, the biggest part of our business is U.S. mainland to Hawaii. Uh, demand there is incredibly strong right now. Where uh, I would characterize that part of the business as fully recovered and uh and, you know our uh, team is performing very well uh there uh, neighbor island is largely recovered flying within the islands of the state and our our international has been the piece that has been slower to come back and really been one of the the areas of focus for us in 2022 uh, we've seen uh, demand from australia new zealand korea uh, come back over the course of this year, but the biggest part of international is Japan, and we're still uh, we're still anxiously waiting uh, the full uh, liberation of the market between uh, Japan and the rest of the world. I think that's going to come later this year, and um, that'll really get us into a mode of of not talking so much about recovery and more talking about how we uh, execute well and optimize in a in a recovered environment. Absolutely. So, I mean, you touched on on all three geographies, like you said, and, and they're all a little bit different. International is is the one that we kind of all have our eyes on right now. And I, I wanted to ask a little bit about that. You, you mentioned Japan is not fully there yet, though you're hoping by the end of the year. What does it look like for Hawaiian when, when Japan's travel restrictions finally drop? Is it going to be quickly returned to 100% of 2019 capacity? Or are you going to ramp up? What's, what's the plan for, for returning there to Japan? There's a couple of key restrictions that we're we're keeping an eye on. One is a hard cap on the number of international arrivals that can uh, come into Japan on any given day. And right now, that cap is set at twenty thousand. Uh, that's up from uh, about five thousand a few months ago, which sounds like good progress until you compare it to the hundred and forty thousand or so a day that it was prior to the pandemic in an unconstrained Ooh. environment. So we're, we're still, you know, only about one seventh of the demand capacity for international travel into and out of uh, Japan. That's um, a big so, cut so, from pre-pandemic, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's a huge number. And, and that's, um, that's, you know, clearly 
a, a policy restriction that is going to have to be removed to allow the market to be fully opened. The other um, impediment, I think, to getting back to um, to full unconstrained demand is um, the testing requirement, both um, on arrival and pre-departure. And I, I think, you, you know, we've seen throughout the world as travel lanes have been opened up again, um, there's an incredible enthusiasm by leisure travels to get leisure travelers to get back um, to enjoying um, the travel that they did uh, prior to the pandemic. Uh, but there is an anxiety uh, about getting on an airplane and flying to uh, a distant land or another country and um, finding out at the end of your scheduled trip that um, you've tested positive and you're not going to be able to return home for another week. And so I, I think we could see progress on both of those in the next little while in Japan uh, as they um, come to grips with um, you know, getting a reduction in the current wave of cases that has been going through, which we hope is crested over the last few weeks. Uh, and, you, you know, with that, uh, I think we'll see uh, really strong demand as we see, have seen other places when people have the ability to travel for leisure. I mean, that's what I wanted to ask you is whether Japan's going to be like, you know, so many other markets that once restrictions have dropped, sort of the floodgates opened, uh, well, you know, Japanese travelers have been a huge part of, of Hawaii's tourism economy for years. You know, you're expecting them to come flooding back once once the once the rules rules, rules are dropped. I, I think it'll come back uh, fairly quickly. Y you know, the the affinity uh, of the Japanese for Hawaii is really unlike anything I've seen anywhere else in the world. There is really uh, an incredible enthusiasm for travel to um, to Hawaii. And I think when you compare it to other leisure destinations that Japanese travelers can choose, I think given uh, the cautious nature, uh, as we've seen, you know, in in the um, policy decisions they've made really reflects how cautious Japan has been. I think um, the safety and security of Hawaii is going to be a, a strong calling card for people as they think about where they want to go on that first trip internationally post-pandemic. That's good news for Hawaiian. I know that your gateways pre-pandemic were Tokyo, Haneda, Nareda, uh, Osaka, Fukuoka, and Sapporo, correct? Uh, that is correct, and and we were just on uh, on the cusp uh, in April 2020 of adding our third daily frequency into Haneda Airport. So we're eager eager to uh, expand that Haneda service beyond even where we were before the pandemic. Once things get uh, rolling fully again, for sure, for sure. Well, that's something, of course, we all have our eyes on Japan. That'll be a big sign of, of Asia reopening. Of course, China, you don't serve China, so it's not not something as much of a concern for you, but that's also on, on everyone's minds. Um, I wanted to bring things back around to the U.S. Uh, you, you mentioned that demand for your uh, North American uh, travel is robust, you know, exceeding 2019 levels. Uh, any signs of a recession or slowdown with inflation that, that we keep hearing in the news? You know, we're certainly mindful of the the macro indicators, but there's there's nothing in um, the indications we see in terms of uh, bookings that suggests any 
um, any slowdown um, beyond the normal, you know, seasonality of travel. Obviously, you know, we tend to peak uh, demand in the um, summer months, June, July, and August when um, kids are out of school and families are traveling and have leisure time. Uh, but you know, we're we're um, booking steadily uh, into the fall, and I haven't seen any indication of a uh, a slowdown in enthusiasm for leisure travel as we uh, look out to the back half of this year. Well, that's definitely great news for you there at Hawaiian and for Hawaii's economy overall. People continue to come. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, it was an incredibly uh, difficult time uh, for an economy that uh, is really sustained by uh, the visitor industry, you know, going through what we went through in 2020 with the hard quarantine in place and almost um, no uh, visitors was incredibly difficult economically for this community. And it's it's good to see a strong rebound and uh, robust employment and, uh, and, you know, really healthy economy again. Absolutely. Um, Peter, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. I'm speaking with Peter Ingram, CEO of Hawaiian Airlines. And uh, Peter, so we've been talking a bit about your, your North American demand and uh, how strong it is. You know, Hawaiian made some interesting uh, network choices during the pandemic. You added flights to Austin and Orlando. Uh, but one of those is coming out, Orlando. I'm curious, what, uh, what did you find that makes Austin work, but not Orlando? Tell me a bit about that. We actually added four new routes at, um, you know, as travel was beginning to recover in the early part of 2021. Uh, you mentioned two of them with Austin and Orlando. Um, at nearly the same time, we added Ontario, California to Honolulu and also uh, added a Long Beach flight to Maui to complement our, our Long Beach Honolulu service. Uh, um, we, we've, we're pleased with how those routes have uh, performed. Uh, on Orlando, um, which we are um, going to be suspending uh, in the month of, of September, uh, has faced a little more challenge in terms of the seasonality of that route. During peak periods, we saw you know, strong demand, um, not only uh, um, strong demand from the Orlando area towards Honolulu, but also the other direction as people from uh, from Hawaii travel to uh, to Florida, uh, but um, the the seasonality proved a little challenging. the 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 peaks were um, were good, but the uh, troughs are quite challenging. And there's some uh, pricing dynamics associated with having leisure markets on both ends of of the route uh, that have uh, made it such that as we we look forward towards the end of the year and into 2023 and think about our aircraft availability as the international part of our business gets back on fully that we had to make some difficult decisions and uh, Orlando was the one we've chosen to step away from at this time. Okay, and that's of course you're you're using an A330 to go to both Orlando and Austin, A321 Neos to Orlando, Ontario and Long Beach, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that I mean that makes sense. It's uh, it's always you know, connecting to leisure destinations can work really well, or like you said, can be can be a challenge. 
Um, what what have you found in Austin that really works? So, you know, that's been a sort of a boomtown during the pandemic. And I know a lot of Californians have moved there. Is uh, is that sort of behind the, the strength of Austin or, or what are you seeing there? I think what you see in Austin is a uh, a really dynamic um, community that has seen uh, an awful lot of growth, um, particularly spurred by the technology um, sector. So you've got um, people there who are uh, have the means to travel and have a great enthusiasm uh, for travel. And in the case of people who may have transplanted from California, uh, already had some familiarity with uh, Hawaiian Airlines and and our brand, and uh, we thought it was a good opportunity to uh, capitalize on that. We're really pleased um, to see how that route is developing, and uh, uh, I'm I'm quite enthusiastic about it. I, I was I had the pleasure in April of 2021 to uh, uh, to travel on our inaugural flight into uh, Austin, and it was um, you know a really great place to. Uh, uh, to visit after a number of years since I've been there. Excellent. You know, Austin is a Austin is a fantastic town. I've I've been there. It's been a few years, but I've been there a few times myself and very much enjoyed it. Um, all right. Well, those it sounds like some some good. And then of course Ontario and Long Beach are sticking around. Those are sort of go to your bread and butter, uh, you know, market California. And those, I for all intents and purposes, appears that those are doing strong. Yeah, th- those routes, uh, as we experienced sometimes, you know, we, we experienced a lot as we started rolling out 321 flying over the course of the last several years. Um, they really matured fairly quickly. Obviously, our brand recognition in Southern California is uh, very high. I think people um, view us as the go-to brand for travel to Hawaii and uh, we're we're pleased with the uh, experience at both those airports, and uh, look forward to more opportunities in the future. Excellent. No, no, for sure. But that kind of leads into into a question I wanted to ask you: Is is Hawaiian faces uh, new competition from the West Coast to Hawaii? Uh, namely, Southwest Airlines entered the market uh, shortly before the pandemic. Um, you know, you mentioned that Hawaiian is sort of the go-to airline for Southern Californians going to Hawaii, but have you felt any pressure from competition? You know, don't have to name competitors here, but um, you, what kind of pressure are you seeing or, or is it really, you know, not material to, to your business? The only pressure we see really is just the overall um, volume of seats and, um, you know, finding the the right balance between supply and demand in you know in an inflationary environment where we see fuel prices up and we see pressure on uh, labor costs throughout the industry. Uh, what what we offer is um, a service that is really tailored to the needs of Hawaii travelers, and um, you know that that's more than just words. It is really th- thinking about travelers um, with different product desires, whether it's um, first class, the life uh, life flat product on our A330s, our extra comfort product, uh, main cabin and main cabin basic to really cater to a broad range of uh, customer desires. And, you know, we complement it um, with the outstanding hospitality of our team in in the airports and, and on our airplanes. And I think when people do have the uh, the chance to fly on Hawaii, and they really notice 
a distinct difference. And um, you add all that up, and uh, you know, we we look at the DOT um, numbers that come out on a lag basis with uh, revenue performance. And for several years, um, quarter in and quarter out, we we are able to generate a revenue premium relative to all of the competitors we have from the U.S. mainland um, to Hawaii. And I think it really is a function of that unique focus on uh, a rather unique travel market with a lot of leisure travelers, flights that are over um, five hours, uh, a real focus on the in-flight experience uh, by travelers and on, on those sorts of routes. And um, you know our team executes on that very well, and we're we're really proud to be that go-to carrier, and we intend to uh, to keep making uh, the efforts we need to lead the market in that way. Excellent, Peter. I've got to ask you: premium leisure travel has been sort of a topic du jour of the pandemic, with a lot of international carriers saying they're seeing a lot of uh, leisure travelers buy up to whether premium economy or business class. Are you seeing that at Hawaiian as well? I mean, you mentioned the segmentation of your cabins with, with the routes out of California on all your routes. I mean, is premium leisure a, a market that you're seeing growing or, or what's, what's, what are you seeing there? We are seeing that. And, and in fact, uh, this is a phenomenon not just since the pandemic, but it was something that was um, going on before the pandemic. And I, I think if you listen to our quarterly financial results um, calls almost every quarter. Uh, it seems, uh, you know, our, our chief revenue officer is reporting uh, that our uh, front cabin uh, yields outpaced our, our main cabin yields in terms of year over year improvement. And uh, I, I think it is a desire for people to um, pay up, particularly on some um, you know, more long range routes for a higher level of service. And so uh, you've seen our, um, you know, revenue per square foot in the front cabin uh, be better than our revenue per square foot in um, the extra comfort section and, and uh, extra comfort be better uh, than in our main cabin. And at the same time, you know, we've added some uh, commercial enhancements to uh, how we market and make those products available. And, and it's, um, you know, really been an area of uh, solid performance. And I'm, I'm quite pleased with how um, the team has been able to, um, to execute on delivering that service to our guests. And I, I, I think that that demand is likely to continue improving going forward. And, you know, in the long range, that may be reflected in some uh, changes in how we um, think about allocating space on the aircraft. Excellent. I, I mean, that brings me around to sort of one last question I want to make sure I ask you is uh, the 787. It's arriving. I saw in your most recent quarterly call that you actually mentioned about allocating potentially more space in that plane to, to premium seating. Um, that's not necessarily what I want to ask you. What is the plan for the 787 and, and will you get any this year with, with deliveries uh, resuming? We, we won't uh, receive any of the 787s this year, uh, and we've, we are uh, intending over the next couple of months um, to engage more seriously with Boeing on firming up um, the timing of the first couple of deliveries we have of the 787s. It's an aircraft we're, um, you know, we're very excited about. The, the 330 
uh, has been and will be for a significant period of time an important airplane for us. But as we look um, through this decade and beyond to the next one, the 787 is going to be the flagship of our fleet. And, um, you know, what it offers us is um, a little bit more range, but more importantly, you know, a step function change in uh, fuel economy and uh, efficiency. It's a slightly larger airplane. As you mentioned, um, you know, reflecting those premium demands that we saw even before the pandemic, uh, we, um, we are going to have a larger premium cabin on that airplane. That was a decision um, we had already made. So in addition to having some extra seats on the, the airplane, proportionally, we're going to have even more in the, the front cabin. And so ideally, what we would like to do is get that airplane onto some of our highest demand routes with um, long range to take advantage of the efficiency. And, um, you know, particularly in, uh, in places where there's strong premium demand. So, uh, uh, you know, JFK to Honolulu, Sydney to Honolulu, our um, uh, Tokyo routes are all places that over the next several years, you'll see the 787 um, begin to appear in the skies. Excellent. Well, well, listeners, you heard it here. Look for Hawaiian 787s in, in New York, Sydney, and Tokyo in the coming years. Peter, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Airline Weekly Lounge this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to connect again, and I look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon. Definitely. Hopefully in Hawaii. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.